Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Consciously Reparenting, the podcast. This is episode two, and I have been debating for the past couple days how I have wanted to really dive into this podcast, and I do want to take a little bit of time to talk a little bit more about kind of my history. Um, Today I'm going to be doing a little bit of a deeper dive into my depression, where I believe that really originated from, Um, and we're really just going to go with the flow. I am at some point as well going to do an episode about the work or inner work or self-healing, whatever you want to call it. Um, So that will be possibly episode three. I'm not 100% sure. Um, Like I said in the first episode, this is really just going to be very loosely structured, so to speak. And so let's just go ahead and dive in. So like I said, today I wanted to do a bit of a deeper dive into my journey with depression. And this episode honestly might just partly be a way for me to even explore this a little bit more deeply for myself. I find that when I talk out loud about things, um, certain things kind of click into place or certain things are brought to light that I can then work on with some healing and some inner work. Um, So we're just going to see where this takes us. So as I mentioned in episode one, I went through about 10 years of depression in my late teens into my mid-20s, I would say. So when I was 15, I entered into my first relationship, and that ended up turning into something that was very emotionally and mentally abusive. And I believe that some of my depression, or maybe a lot of it even, stems back to that time in my life. Now, a lot of why I was in that relationship and why I stayed in that relationship for so long, that stems back to inner child wounds. And inner child stuff is what I'm currently kind of focusing on with my own self-healing. So like I said, you know, this episode might be an opportunity for me to kind of put some pieces together, so to speak. So this relationship started out fairly normally, fairly nicely. Um, You know, for me, I was 15. That's young enough, I think. And so I really felt like this was the person I was going to spend the rest of my life with. I was very in love with this person, you know, and how a lot of that connects back into inner child for me is that I didn't receive a lot of affection from my father. So how that has translated throughout my life is seeking that affection that I didn't get as a child from relationships. Um, no matter how toxic or abusive those relationships may have been. It's just that inner child seeking that affection and that attention and that love, really. And I will in the future dive more into my inner child journey and share more about that. But just for now, um, that's something that I realized is that, you know, I stayed in this abusive relationship because of my wounded inner child. 
So the first time that this person cheated on me, I was very devastated. Um, but <laughs> again, going back to the inner child, that part of me thought that if I left this person, I wouldn't ever find anybody else. So I really just 100% forgave the cheating and essentially ignored it and pretended that it didn't happen. And things really started to escalate and snowball from there. So I mean, I really, timelines are very foggy because this was almost 20 years ago now, which is crazy to think about. Um, But I would say the cheating first started maybe about a year into our relationship. Um, You know, this person was my first kiss. This is the person I lost my virginity to. There was a lot of emotion wrapped up in this relationship. And so the cheating continued, and then the control started, the emotional abuse started, the verbal abuse started, and there was some physical abuse, um, but that was not quite as prevalent as the emotional abuse was. And, you know, today, I don't think I'm going to dive into specific instances, but essentially, that relationship... (laughs) I tried or wanted to for a long time to leave that relationship and to be done with it. I'd say for the last six months to a year of that relationship, I was pretty much done. I had checked out. I didn't want to be with this person anymore, but I didn't know how to leave. Now, as I said in the first episode, I grew up in a small town of about, you know, 600 to 700 people. So this isn't a big city where I can leave this person and probably never bump into them or, you know, have to really interact with them. This is a small town where we went to the same small school. We, you know, a a 600 person town is not a big town. You see each other constantly. And so that opportunity for me wasn't really there to end this relationship and to really be able to distance myself physically from that person. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I was ready for a long time for that relationship to end and I felt stuck and I felt hopeless and helpless. And a few months ago, I really came to the realization through my own journey of healing that I really wanted my parents to step in and help me. And, you know, they didn't do that. And so I think in a way I felt a little bit abandoned by them. There, you know, were some instances where I wasn't believed when I was telling them things, you know, certain situations popped up where I wasn't really nurtured. I wasn't really told, you know, we're here for you. We're here to help you. And so that made it a little bit more difficult to to escape because I truly felt alone. And when you are young, you you don't see those things in the moment. Um So looking back, you know, in hindsight, that's something that really affected me on quite a deep level is, 
and, you know, I, I, I talk about, you know, wanting them to help me and to kind of save me in a way, but I never vocalized that out loud actually to them. So on one hand, I wanted their help and I was so desperate for their help, but how can I expect them to help me if I'm not asking them to help me? And this is something as well that I need to work through for myself a little bit more. So everything with that relationship really came to a head when I was 18 and what had actually happened was he really, really just went off the rails. And again, I won't dive into exactly what happened, but you know, it culminated into an event where I finally had had enough and I had someone else there with me on the night of this instance. And I'm so very grateful for that person because if that person would not have been there with me, I don't know if things would have gone the way that they went and that I would have been strong enough to leave. You know, maybe it was even just having someone there to witness this person and what, how this person was treating me and what this person was doing to me that finally helped me to be strong enough to say, okay, enough is enough. And so that relationship ended and I came out of that relationship very emotionally and mentally damaged. And, you know, I was 18 when I ended that relationship and I'm 33 now And I know that I still have healing to do surrounding what went on at that time in my life. So that's something that's quite heavy to deal with. Um, I posted on my Instagram a couple weeks ago. I had a little bit of a self-healing victory. I was in Walmart and I don't live in the same small town anymore. I live about half an hour away. And so I live on a farm about 10 minutes away from a city of about 10,000 people. So large enough, but still small enough. (laughs) So I was in Walmart and I saw my ex walk in and he was with a woman and I had an immediate kind of what I call like a an energetic gut punch where you feel that lurch in your stomach, those like disgusting kind of butterflies of, oh, oh my God. And it's just like your, your body jolts and your energy just kind of goes into overdrive a little bit because you, you, you really kind of go back into that fight or flight state and that feel that initial kind of feeling that initial reaction from my body passed. And I did not go into hours and hours of spiraling into emotions of hatred and resentment and, you know, all of these different things, which probably six or eight months ago I would have. And all I could feel was gratitude that I got out of that relationship when I did and compassion for the woman that was with him if she was in fact his partner and he has not changed. So that was a really, really big thing for me. So this self-healing, this inner work shows up in the most interesting ways. And it's not always huge pivotal moments that are obvious. It's those smaller things where when you are able to be conscious and aware, you're able to catch those moments of, hey, 
I'm not spiraling into hours of despair after just seeing this person, not even speaking to this person. So that was, that felt really, really great. So that's where a lot of my depression, like I said, I think started is being just so mentally and emotionally beat down, kind of like stripped down to nothing is the way that I think of it. And you know, I, I, I talked about in the first episode, I then became a single mom at age 20. I lost my grandma that same year. Those things certainly contributed to my depression as well. My grandma had struggled with cancer for 10 years. So when I was 10, she got breast cancer and then it progressed over the years. Um, it traveled into, you know, like organs and I think into her back or her spine and then into her brain. And so she died after 10 years when I was 20. So that was a really big, big loss for me. And at that time, I didn't have the tools to really deal with that grief. And you know, I was pregnant at the time. I was in this very unhealthy relationship with my child's father. So there was a lot going on at that time as well. And I still have a lot of work to do in that realm too, with that, you know, processing that grief and really letting that go because I still can feel those emotions in my body a lot of the time. And I can feel, um, you know, I can feel that grief really sometimes just feel it like seeping out of my pores. Um, so I know I've mentioned this a few times, you know, I, even just in this episode, I still have a lot of work to do with this. I still have a lot of work to do with this. And that's what this, this podcast is about is to be able to sit here and talk through things. And like I said earlier, to really shine a light on some of the things that I do still need to work through. So at age 20, I am a single mother. I'm struggling with postpartum depression, which I did not realize I was not aware of at the time. Um, You know, and that just really spiraled. I had split up with my child's father and I was alone for a while. And then I started dating someone new who I had been friends with for, you know, a couple few years and then that relationship ended there was a little bit of emotional trauma from that relationship as well and you know i would say about a month after that relationship ended i started dating someone else because i was so terrified to be alone again that's rooting back into that inner child wound of emotional abandonment and not receiving emotionally what I needed when I was a child, you know, just that such, such a, uh, heavy feeling of being so scared of being alone. And, you know, in hindsight, being able to look back now, probably just not knowing how to just be with myself. So I have a lot of compassion for my younger self, you know, that that younger woman who went through these things and who didn't know what direction she was going and who felt very lost and very hurt. So the previous relationship that I was in, he was an alcoholic. His family was full of alcoholics. It was very dysfunctional. So I started drinking to 
fit in, likely to numb myself to the fact that I knew that this was not the healthiest relationship. And again, I had checked out of that relationship, or I shouldn't say checked out, but I knew probably years before it actually I actually ended it that this was not going to work out. It just, you know, you you just know. You have those gut feelings, you have that inner knowledge, and I spent a lot of time ignoring that or trying to justify or make up excuses for him or, you know, give myself reasons why I shouldn't leave this relationship and all of these different things. And there were you know, there were a million red flags. There were a million quote unquote reasons or excuses why I should not excuses to leave this person, but you know, reasons why it it just wasn't the relationship that was right for me. That being said, that relationship actually taught me a lot. And it was when I was in that relationship when my depression really came to a head. And you, if you listen to the first episode, you heard me talk about how there was one night where I was laying in bed, just feeling absolutely devastated, wondering how I could end my life. And so that's when I really started to turn things around for myself. And it really got me on the path to where I am now. So I started opening up about my journey with depression when I was maybe around 26-ish years old. Um, And that was really an empowering time for me because I had known how miserable I was feeling for such a long time, but I didn't talk to anyone about it. And one of the reasons for that is because I felt so truly alone because nobody in my life had gone through depression. Nobody in my life that I knew of anyway had experienced that. So nobody could understand or relate to me you know, and and maybe even give me advice or just help me out because nobody... Nobody could put themselves in my shoes. Nobody understood. Nobody knew. So when I started speaking out and, you know, I started speaking out on social media and things like that, and I had a lot of people reach out to me and open up about their own journeys with depression. And that really felt great to me. Not that I ever want anyone to go through depression, but to be able to see that I wasn't the only one. So no, maybe there wasn't anyone in my immediate environment, in my family, or any of my friends who had gone through depression, but there were people out there who, you know, knew me, um, who had gone through depression as well. So that, like I said, was really empowering for me. That really started to help me see, okay, I can do this. I can start talking about this and I can, you know, start to help myself. So from then on, I I have continued talking about my depression because I don't ever want anyone to feel like they're alone. And that is part of my purpose in this lifetime is to speak about my experiences so that others can hear and see me and say, okay, hey, I'm not alone. Someone else is going through this, you know, especially if they feel how I did, how I felt like I had nobody else to talk to or to turn to. 
Now, all of that being said, I really began to cling to that story of depression. That's how I started to relate to people. That's how I opened up in order to get people to, you know, validate me and validate my experience. So you can see there's a difference between consciously discussing these things and being open about these things. And talking about these things to get people to pity you or to really just continue to wallow in your misery. So once that really was kind of brought to my attention that I was really using this story in less than authentic ways, is how I would put it, um, I started to be able to see my depression as something that I experienced, something that I went through, but that it didn't define me. It, it's not something that is who I am. And so within the past couple years, I've been trying to kind of go with the flow and find this line of sharing my experiences, but not not latching on and becoming so attached to them that I can't see my authentic self or I can't feel my higher self. You know, when you're just blindly and unconsciously living in your stories and you're continuing this narrative, how can you ever expect to really grow and expand out of that? And that's what I was doing when I first started opening up is I was just so consumed by this story of mine of, of going through depression and this abusive relationship and, you know, all of these different things that I couldn't, I couldn't really separate myself from that. So this is where it's gotten really kind of interesting and fun on my my current journey is, like I said, to be able to talk about this from a conscious perspective and to be able to be open to people reaching out to me if they feel alone or if they feel like they need some help. So... I think I will end things here because that feels like an okay place to end this. Like I said in episode one, this is not, I don't plan on really structuring things in terms of how long my episodes will be, when my episodes will be released. I'm going to, I'm going to try to stay fairly consistent on what day of the week I put episodes out, but some episodes might be 10 or 15 minutes. Some episodes might be 30 minutes or an hour. I'm really just allowing myself to be guided by my higher self and what feels right. So to close this episode out, I want to say again that if you are someone who is struggling, whether it's with depression or anxiety or whatever it may be, and if you're feeling alone in that journey, you are not alone. Reach out to me in, I'll put my social media, my website, everything in the description of the podcast episode so you know how to find me. And I am a good listener. And sometimes it can feel good to talk to someone who is not in your immediate environment, someone who is not a family member or a friend, because you know that they 
it's it's just a fresh set of ears and eyes to be able to witness you and to acknowledge you and to be able to help you in whatever way I can. So please, please reach out. Don't hesitate. Don't be scared. Don't be, <laughs> you know, don't be, don't be a chicken. And, and <laughs> I shouldn't say that because I'm, I'm not meaning to sound insensitive or, or, you know, just straight up rude, but I, for a long time, just, I was a chicken and I didn't, I didn't know how to reach out. So please just take little steps forward wherever you're at in your journey, whatever that looks like for you. And I will meet you guys back here for episode three.